Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Tokushikai Inside Look podcast. This episode is brought to you by our amazing patrons over at Patreon, who have generously donated as little as a cup of coffee to as much as the cost of a bowl of ramen per month. You can find episode videos for these interviews as well as deeper dives into other subject matters at patreon.com forward slash Tokushikai Canada. If you are enjoying this work, please consider supporting us. Okay, cool. Well, my name, my name is Tomas Miranda. I'm from Chile. Now I'm living in Japan from 2000, the last year, 2000, you, you, ah, I, I only now speak, you know, Japanese every time. So I cannot speak like, but 2019, I'm living in Japan. So one year and like six months around. And I have been doing kendo for 20, over 20 years already. I start at the age of 13, around 13 years old, and doing kendo nonstop. I tried sometimes other budo in the way, but I continue with kendo. It was my the, the real thing that, that moves me. And for the same in the same path, I follow this practice, right? The the kendo, the budo way. But it led me to meet people, and at the end, to meet this this work, my you know, uh, leading me to live in Japan at the moment, where, like kind of working related with Budo, especially with Kendo. I'm working in a Budogu, Budogu Kendogu company at the moment, and yes, pretty much. I'm 33 years old, so. 33 years old, which 20 was kendo. So it was like, I always have been doing kendo for, for my, in my, for my experience, like always kendo had been there from really young age. High school is like always kendo, choosing kendo over or other, you know, other activities, other, sometimes people invite me to do some stuff and I know I have to do kendo or whatever. So yeah, it was so like... So someone, someone from Chile doing a lot of kendo nowadays, mm. like in 2020, that's yes. not so uncommon. But back mm. when you first started, th there probably wasn't very much kendo around. So what, what was popular back then in your town? Like what part mm. of Chile were you from? And yeah. then what was popular back then with the kids? And then how did you discover mm. kendo? Yes, you are totally right. In that time, well, I'm from Santiago. It's like the, the biggest city, like the main city the capital of Chile. And at the moment, I think in a way, anime started to be a, really a, a big hit, a lot of different anime. In my time was, for example, uh, Rurouni Kenshin. And so a lot of people may be looking for some kind of, uh, not really necessarily kendo, but some kind of you know martial arts related with this kind of you know, samurai or something like this. And also with Japanese culture. So it started to be like a, a boom in Chile around that that period, I think, like 20, 20 years ago. But Kendo, funny enough, when I started, there were more people than now, I believe, if I'm not wrong. There were a lot of people doing Kendo, maybe not like in a high level, but the beginner and the like the middle let's say middle level level it was a big group uh, in santiago and in, in other cities in chile there were 
much, like a really big number of kendoka. And my, in the way so many things happen, I, I believe my kendo is also kind of expensive, expensive in, in you know, in the in the things in, in the shinai. You always have to to, to buy shinai, which is many times super difficult because Chile is super far off every every other place. Like you know, even even tenogui normal things, you cannot access to this. So always was like a super. How, how can I say it? Like. It's not about the money, but it's difficult to access to, to this kind of kendogu, budogu, and everything. So it was difficult to in in that area to practice kendo and continue, and also to take the examination. For example, everyone, myself included, has to travel to other countries to take every examination. Even I remember, yes, even shodan, even the first time I had to travel outside overseas to take. Uh, the examination because it was not possible with the, the actual level in Chile. So also that like kind of uh, not on, only time consuming, like the sacrifice, like your own schedule of life to, you know, travel, to take the examination, to go to CI, to learn more kendo, you need to travel. So it was like, at that time was this kind of, you know, a little difficult to, to improve maybe. So it, was it your your parents were taking you around or was it when you were a little older, did you start doing this moving around? The yes, moving around was was always with my dojo in like, with my, my senpai, sensei, was like, like a dojo thing more, more than, my family always supported me, but it was more like with the, the peers, with my, with my kendo, my, Kendo fellowka, fellows, kendoka and friends, but usually we did like go to CI in the country, but when we have to take the examination, for example, Brazil or I don't know, Argentine, like the countries that were like uh, kind of near, right? Not so far. Uh, we travel as dojo or as federation, like the me uh, federation members or the national team members uh, everyone gets together like a group and go just to take the examination or just to do CI or both many times. So you you were not an you weren't an adult yet. That means like your parents would sign a sheet saying at the I beginning, let my yes. kid. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you are right. I totally forget this. Yes, at the beginning I remember the first time they I think they signed something. You you are right. Yes. Yeah, I forget about this. <laughs> So at that time, your parents were already trusting the dojo people, the senseis and the senpai to take care of you, make sure mm -hmm. that you don't accidentally run into the street and get <laughs> run over by a bus or anything. <laughs> yes, yes, the the sensei of that time, one of the sensei, because there were many like high level sensei, one of them, Chilean, uh, was really like, how do I say, like he supported me also, like he maybe saw something in me. So he's constantly until this day, he always has like been there really present and always like give me a hand, like help me with everything. Like if I have problems in any area, he will be there. So it's like my family also trust this, this sensei. Yes, it was a, a big thing to, to have somebody that is not only practicing with you, but also like not pushing, but, but supporting, yes, supporting to continue this, yes, super so, interesting. 
So at the same time, you, like you were putting so much of your effort and your energy into kendo as a kid, but you still had to go to school and there were still like expectations of going to university. And then your yes. friends were also doing other stuff. So do you remember when you were so focused on kendo, what were your peers thinking? Like were, were your friends more of the gaming type or your friends more of the studying type? And then mm. how did you manage time with them and with kendo? Yes. In like in a way, as you said at the beginning, kendo is not well known. Like in the in the country, or like normal people, they they hear kendo and it's like ah karate, it's like or I don't know. They don't think they don't even hear about the, this the word kendo. And so always I had to explain like kendo ah yes it's like fen Japanese fencing or yes it's like kind of related with samurai or Japanese culture or something like this. So from that point it's like oh okay and you practice a lot it's like your hobby right but for me maybe at the beginning maybe a kind of hobby I, I don't remember anymore but kind of rapidly start to how to say like to become something really important essential in, essential in my life so it was like uh, not a hobby for me even when I was young it was more than a hobby like something I really was looking for every day, every practice, like every, I was thinking in Kendo, like how to improve. And so when I have like different activities or like friends invite me to do other stuff, if I could go, of course, I, I wanted to, to share my, with my friends and, you know, like normal, normal people do. But if I have to, the next day, for example, to wake up early, to have a, a tournament or a practice, the last, the, if, if they have a party, for example, I probably won't go and choose Kendo over this kind of, you know, social activities. Uh, so in a way, my friends, my every, every, I had the, the like, I was luckily the, my friends understand this also, like he loves Kendo and he's like mad about it. So they, they were present, they, they were not like, like how to say like leaving me behind it was also good for me like not be feeling alone but but sometimes like i cannot help it but it was like you know i'm at the end it's like a lonely path in in that area because uh, kendo was uh, everyone in the dojo always yes almost everyone in the dojo at the moment was older than me i believe and like after two or three years doing kendo, like a new generation came like more than my age. So start again, like to, to become like a different color of the practice for, for, for a while. But un until then it was like sometimes a little lonely, but, but never like something bad. Like it always, uh, from the beginning, I found this passion in kendo in some somehow in the practice so even i didn't i didn't feel this loneliness i i say it now because like thinking back back then but in reality kendo was kendo was enough to, to continue this this path you know yeah i feel like i i realized over the course of all these interviews i've done that it's actually a bad question to ask someone why did they choose it because 
it's not something conscious. You didn't, you probably uh, weren't thinking about choosing kendo. It just mm. became something that was your day. You would go, you would go. And there was no choice. It was just that this is me. This is my life. Mm. It, so okay. one thing I'm always, in, I'm super interested in is, yes, we found these martial arts, like same thing mm. when I found Iaido, when you mm. found kendo, you were doing things different than your friends. If you had not found kendo, looking at mm. what your friends are doing now, what would you have gotten into? Would you have been more of like a board gamer? Would you have been into sports? Were you like, what are your friends doing now that if you didn't find Kendo, you would be doing with them? Uh, right. Yes. Uh, first, I would like to say like when I was very young, kid, a kid really, I don't know, five years old or maybe even younger, uh, my i was really a hyperkinetic do you say this word i don't know hyper hyperkinetic yeah hyperactive maybe we would say active yes like i say like is a kid that run all the time like uh, non-stop all time energy full of energy like jumping maybe screaming this kind of i was this kind of kid so i'm not i was not diagnosed with something special but label as as this kind of kid, hyperkinetic, which uh, it was the word at the moment. Maybe it changed. I'm not sure. And so, in a in a way, I always have been like toward to movements. Like in regards to movement, I was like, okay, this this is good. I can move, so I feel good. So I continue like sports or whatever activity I can move. It was better for me than like for example study quietly uh, a book for example e even when i was like i don't maybe 14 years old or 15 i don't remember right now but i went to like a counselor for like get better better on uh, study and way like study in a better way and this 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 counselor told me like oh you need to move while studying like take the, the book and walk around or something like this. And it was really helpful also to understand like, oh, it's just like a feature or something different. And Kendo in a, in a way helped me to maintain this like post, not only posture, physical posture, but like a state maybe. So I found like, I'm not, I'm not sure if it's, if, peace is the the word but find a inner balance maybe so even in, in kamae when you do kamae you cannot be moving around and jumping or you know like even the shina you cannot move like super widely because you will get hit you will open the the guard so i found this kind of inner kamae the kigamae maybe which helped me to to become more patient or more like change this this behavior. So a lot of people that met me when I was kid and then like many years, uh, I don't know, 20 years after, they say like, oh, this is Thomas, really? What, what happened to you? Like, did you become a monk? Like, what happened with this kid that was like all, all the time screaming, jumping? Like, so in a way, Kendo teach me this, uh, I don't know, this, I don't know how to explain, but change, change my behavior, but in a good way, of course, it's not like uh, I'm more focused, maybe, maybe something like this, like change my, my type of focus. 
and so, so my, was that noticeable yes. when like uh, that that should have been seen by all your friends and especially your teachers at school but so but you started yeah. kendo like when you're you said 13 so yes. there was still a period of time where you were at school did the did you did the teachers start seeing that or did your parents realize oh the teachers aren't complaining as much about thomas anymore uh, in those early days <laughs> yes at the beginning my uh, I'm not sure when, in which age was like the real change, like the visible change, but there is no doubt that it was like a fast, like rapidly, a quickly change from when I start Kendo and maybe the, the same year I was already like more focused, more, uh, my more, more center maybe. So maybe at the age of 13, 14, I must be changed. <laughs> I, I'm not sure. And Yes, and with my friends, I, I didn't like answer fully your your question, your previous question. That with my friends, they usually also did a lot of sports. So it was different sports, like kind of soccer, basketball, like you know, different kind of sports. But I have uh, this kind of sports group of friends, and also like more towards to maybe kind of board games or more more nerdy like not nerd but more like towards non-sports activities so i i has i have these two kind of areas to to share experience so kendo was in the two areas like i can enter with sports because kendo is like a sport but also like it has all this japanese culture and all these different kind of point of view which is not only sport which is the of course the budo uh, part so it was actually not a bad like it was not something that se separates me from my friends maybe the opposite so how did get going to japan come into the picture was that something you've been thinking about for a long time and then eventually an opportunity came up or was it like i'm just going to do it and then it happened yes but it there was a time that becomes like super, how to say like, is eventually I, I need to go to Japan if I wanted to become stronger in Kendo. Like there was, there I don't don't remember, but it was a time like I, I say to myself, okay, there is no other way. Like, okay, I, con I can continue doing Kendo in Chile and it's fun and everything, but I have already seen uh, the kendo overseas the the level of other people the difference are like something that i cannot grasp something like that i cannot understand so i need to go to maybe the you know the, the where kendo start to to start to really understand this this art what i'm doing like why i do this in this way even i had good sensei and japanese sensei in chile uh, well, the culture is different, different, different. So also the people around, even if they are every everyone was like really uh, friendly and support me, I wanted to know how was like the culture around kendo in Japan, like the the base, how was. So I heard that there is a, it was a course, a special program called Beka Bekasei the Becca program in International Budo University. And one of my senpai uh, already went, two people went before me to this university. 
So when I heard this was possible, I just wanted to go there because it was like the, a real possibility to go to Japan and to, and to be able to practice Kendo and continue in this Budo, connect, uh, Budo world. So I went, so yes, I finished high school right away. I went to Japan. So at the age of 18, I went to Japan two years until 20, around 20, yes. And yes, it was like, it was just exactly I was expecting, like my dream comes, it was like, here is the place where Kendo started. And I can see why, like I, I do with this person and it's totally different understanding of it. It's, it's not just the level, it's not just the techniques, it's just the culture and like the way of doing everything, it has a meaning like uh, they do day in before in the dojo, but also they do day in other in other aspects. It's not just the martial art that do this kind of deiho and deiji. It's more like the Japanese culture is like this, and that's why in kendo we do that this and that, for example. So I I start to understand a lot of like the 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 meaning behind why we do this and that, the the Zen part of. The, when we do Zeza, for example. So when you went, you, you didn't feel like, there's some people when they go to Japan or when they go just anywhere that's very different from their home country, they get a little bit of a culture shock and they're like, whoa, this is too different for me. Did you get have any of that? or And if not, like, how did you, why do you think it, you fit in? Yes, at the beginning, of course, it's super different, but I was, before going to Japan, I prepare a little bit with a Japanese friend I had at that moment, Kendoka. And with him, I studied Japanese, but also he taught, uh, like teach me some, how to say, like speak about Japan, like a little bit, not only the language, but like not the rules, but in Kendo also, we kind of start to learn how to deal with the, the people that are above us uh, how to behave in the dojo, outside the dojo with the sensei, for example. So in a way, I had a little preparation. Like when, when I came in Japan, it was like, oh, if I do as in kendo, I may, <laughs> may go through with it. It's like, it's not that different. But sometimes, especially now that I'm working in Japan, sometimes I get like, uh, like I cannot think in this way. And until they talk, they they say, "Oh, why you didn't do this in this way?" But I, I never saw like what they they wanted me to do. So I I see in that moment like ah yes, the, it's just the we we were raised in different cultures, so it's just you know it's totally different in in that point. But in terms of, of course, the culture is different. But in terms of impact or shocked, not that much because I was really expecting. To, to come to Japan and to like to to absorb everything I have around me. So it was just absorbing everything. Like it was every day, like learning more, more than shock was like, oh, okay, this is like this and try to learn, absorb, yes. So after a while, it like for, for someone that's living there now, you, you kind of make the switch from Oh, Japan's this really fun place that I can go to travel and it's fun being a tourist. But then eventually, like any type of thing, when you when you switch to now I'm working here, now I'm living here, now I have to 
get like uh, health insurance. I have to find a mm-hmm. doctor. I have to find, get a, like an address, rent a place. Could you talk about that switch and like all the different things that you had to go through to, to adapt and then settle down? Yes, yes uh, you are right. The first time when I came to Japan was easy because I just went to the university and they did everything. Like if I had to do some paperwork, it was super easy. They, they just gave me like, okay, you do this and that. And I follow the steps, right? But on this time uh, I came and it's like, okay, now you you work and they almost say nothing you just work even even the like what should i do they even that they didn't tell me so i need to start to learn for myself everything and to look up like how to do this and that also they helped me in the in the company to do different kind of uh, for example the tsaido card the foreign card like id that you you need to have as a foreigner living in japan in the beginning, they did, they helped me a lot, but I, I, when I have to take it again, like to renovate, uh, I did it almost by myself. So I have to, I have been doing a lot of paperwork that I have no idea what the words mean, what they wanted really, but, but yes, like in some, some way, overcoming this kind of it's just paperwork, but it's kind of stressing, right? Like, you know, it's the first time you are, you are seeing this and some, some things are not even the same, like, not, not required, but the same kind of transaction I would do in Chile is totally different, the way of doing it, for example. So that was kind of really stress, a stress time. But after doing everything, overcoming everything, paperwork, finding a place to live in, uh, back in Kumamoto. I've, I've, I felt kind of great because, okay, I can, by myself, I can do it. Even if I'm not super good at Japanese, I can do it in a way like, oh, I'm starting to understand, okay, it's just like, I can do it. But after that, I met my actual fiance everything get a little easier, of course, if my, my fiance is Japanese, so it's like, it gets a little easier. But also as Japanese, I can see that even Japanese, they don't understand many paperwork or stuff because maybe as you already know also, Japan is super, how do you say, the bureaucracy is super complex. Sometimes it's, it, it not only take times, but it's like, it's super complicated, it has a lot of stuff that you have to do in a certain uh, steps otherwise everything will be wrong and you have to do it again so yes it become easier now in in a way but yeah so there's all these difficult things that you had to go through but you had decided that okay i'm just gonna do it because this is where i want to live this is what i want to do how did you make those choices like you, after those two years at ibu you went back to chile and then you mm-hmm. said okay i've had enough time in japan i understand what it's about i'm gonna go like how did you make that decision and then how did you decide where to live what to work do when you're there like where would you go to find like social a social life how did you make all these choices about living in Japan. Yes, after, uh, when I was in an in international Buddha university, in the second year, 
I was thinking like the possibility of staying more in Japan, like studying something like a career, a real career in Japanese university, of course, in Japan. But I, I have like the doubt because it's, it was kind of expensive. So it will be kind of a burden for my family at that time, because it's already, I needed money to be there in Japan at that time. So it will become kind of a lot of money. So at the end, I, I choose to, to go back to Chile and maybe in the future, go back to Japan. I was thinking like, okay, I, I, I made it one, so I can go again maybe. But when I came back to Chile, it was like, okay, I have now to do the normal life. I already spent two years that every, my friends, every peer is already two years ahead of me. Kind, kind of, that was the feeling. So I start university uh, in Chile. How do you say this in English? It's like kinesiology we say in, in Spanish, but- Oh yeah, English, it's the same, kinesiology. The same kinesiology, right? So I started to, I wanted to like keep things together with kendo being kind of sport. If I studied kinesiology, I could like in a way find again the, the moment to combine kendo with my job, I, I thought in that moment, right? But after a while, after two years and half studying kinesiology, I was like, ah, this is not what I want to do. Uh, it's not the same, like, so I, I changed my career for another, related with, with health, but totally different. The name is integrate Integrative Health. And you see like a lot of, kind of different uh, therapies, all, all, all like related with the body, but also with the mind. And when I finished this, like after four years, I, of course, every, every like while studying, I, I was continuing with Kendo, uh, doing CI examination, traveling to like different kind of events in different parts, not, not, not in Chile, overseas. Even I went again to, I came again to Japan for the World Kendo Championship in 2015. But I was not already, like I, I forget in that time, like if I, uh, like that I can go come to, to Japan to work and live, I, I have forgotten totally because I was so like involved on, like I have to go make my life fast because I spent two years and everyone is all, already like ahead so I was kind of uh, like pushing myself to do stuff at the moment but in reality always Kendo ha has been the you know like the real motivation but I had to do what people do so I need to study and to you know have a work and everything and but it comes a time that I have to struggle struggle with this like oh I, I, I need again, this Japanese part, not only the language, like the, I, I felt like I lost some connection. Even if I continue doing kendo, meeting, meeting a lot of uh, Japanese people that came for kendo or sensei or, or whatever, but at the end it was like, something is not enough, even with, with my work. And so at that moment, I started to, learn, to practice again, to, to study, Japanese just for my own and I start to look Japanese related jobs in Chile 
like in the, for example, the embassy, the Japanese embassy in Chile, these kind of jobs, like more not related with Budo or martial arts. And luckily, I didn't su succeed on those interviews. So that led me to like ask around my friends, oh, do you know some some way that I can work with, you know, with J in Japan or maybe something related with Japan in my, in my country? And a friend of mine that was living, um, came back from Japan at that time, he told me, oh, she has the information to, to contact this Japanese uh, company about Bogu. Maybe you can ask about it. So I asked, and the, the good thing is somebody else that I met when I came to Japan 10 years ago, like a senpai, Japanese senpai, he knew the, the boss of this company. So he, he gave me the, the, the contact, I, like the, the number, his number. So I contact directly from Chile to the boss of this company. So I speak directly with him and he said like, oh, really? like, oh, okay, why you are calling me? Like, oh, really, you want to work here? Oh, okay, like send your, you know, your resume and we will see what, what happened. And I send the, the stuff and then he called me. And because we have like the, how to say, the time difference is so, so big. I remember the boss called me at 3 a.m. in Chile. I like wake up and oh, and the boss told me like, yes, come, please come to, to, to Japan. I, I hire you like, okay, this is the money and whatever. And, and from that point, it was like two months after that, I came to Japan. Like it was kind of fast really, really quick. I, I just find this opportunity. I contact the, the, the guys at the company and then the boss contact me back. And I, I went yeah, really quickly with everything. Oh, wow. That's, am yeah. that's amazing. <laughs> like, how, yes. how, how did you even know that that senpai you had known in Japan? Yes. How did you know to ask him about if he like the number? Ah, uh, yes, yes. Because it, it was just by chance <laughs> in reality. It's like my, my first, my Chilean friend told me like, oh, these two companies are, looks like they're looking for, you know, for people to work. Like they are doing uh, boshu. How do you say boshu in English? Hire. They are, they are hiring people to, to, you know, they need people, these two companies, big companies. And I sent email to both and they didn't reply me. And in just by chance, this other Japanese senpai, uh, he saw something maybe, maybe I post something, I don't remember exactly in Facebook, but he, he contacted me and said, oh, I know this, this company, I, I know the boss. And then he, he gave me directly the, the phone number. Oh, wow. So it could have been something like, oh, yes, I yes. just applied to this company. They didn't, they didn't reply back. Exactly. And then he saw it on your board or something. Yes, wow, yes. that's so, so amazing. So and, and then I'm like, I'm dying to know what was in your resume that made him so excited to, to hire uh, you? What did you send to yes, him? My, basically, basically, my resume, my, it has, of course, my job experience, but it has also my kendo re records. Like I, I have been doing not only kendo practice kendo, but on, on also competing in an international international level. So in the international level, I also get kind far in the uh, Latin American championships and in the World Kendo Championship. Once also I get kind of in the 
maybe best 16, uh, 16, 32. I'm not sure if in which category, but I get like kind of ahead in the individuals and a lot of people start to recognize me. So when he saw all of this, he said he say to me in the phone, like, oh, this can be really useful because, you know, we are, we want to become like strong in the international community. So they, they are hiring or looking for people that can have some interaction with a lot of kendo, like foreign overseas kendo, not only his own community. So boss actually saw this resume, like the kendo part and not the, the job experience. Actually, my, my, my company, man, now it's changing, but at the beginning, everyone was like higher, more which the kendo, like the kendo level, more than the job abilities, you know, like <laughs> the skills. So how have you seen like the work being done? Like first, how has your that experience, that kendo experience helped you in your job right now? And then second, if the company hires more for that and less for the actual job, <laughs> how has how has it been working there? Like, does it feel yes. it's we're running as a good company? I will reply first your second question. When I went to Kumamoto, at the beginning was in Kumamoto, the company was already running kind of not good. And even me, that even without experience of this kind of company, I realized at, at the moment, like at the first day of work, I realized, oh, this is not good. Like there are so many things that are not really working or are working poorly. So we need to change a lot of stuff. But me, beginning from the lowest point, like I cannot change anything. So it was super like frustrating. Maybe the first two months for me was super bad. Like I, even I, I, I think in, okay, I cannot continue this. I, I will go back to Chile. This is impossible. Like the work was not possible just like this. It was really difficult. And, but in a way I, of course, I start to do kendo. And that like motivate me again, like, okay, I, I have Kendo. So maybe if I continue a little bit, may something may change or I don't know. Uh, so I just continue. And, and even if the work was like kind of, I would say like it was, I have to do many tasks, but it, it was not really defined or not, let's say not defined, but the, nobody knew how to do the stuff that they asked me. And so I tried to do in some way or another way, but because I'm the, I was the lowest, I, I didn't have the, the freedom to do everything or in my way. So it was super difficult to really move forward to, to this different task that they are asking me. And, but anyway, I continue. I did Kendo, a lot of Kendo. And in a way, the company a little uh, start to become a little better but a lot of people uh, quit and a lot of people also change jobs and the company start to like kind of shrink. And that's what, when we change from the, that company in Kumamoto closed for a while. I changed to, to, to live now in Saito in Miyazaki because here we have a big, how do you say, the, the factory, the Kojo, the factory, Nihon Kendo Saisakusho. Here, we change like the international, uh, how to say, like department. We put the department with the factory 
and now we are like doing everything together in the factory and the national and the international department they are together here and they reopen a small shop in Kumamoto but here is like the big uh, company now in Miyazaki and here the, the thing is we are less people I I, I won't gonna lie you like but we are just international we are just two people now like it's really small in in terms of people but we need to do the job of i don't know how many people every we have to do every task by ourselves now but in a way we are we learned in kumamoto a lot of stuff and now we are able to to do it and we have more freedom so in a way it becomes it has become better in a way the job we can do more by our own and we can move forward with a lot of projects and stuff but it's also really how do you say it's not like i'm not now frust frustrating as of as the beginning it was really first uh really diff tough moment but now we have so much work that is also like kind of difficult to continue but again i have kendo and i found now i'm part of a dojo here that everyone is super, super nice. And they are strong kendoka and sensei. They, they look me like part of the dojo. And even if I'm foreign, they really include me with every activity. So it's really, for me, super good experience in kendo. In the kendo is really good experience. So also I have, as I told you before, I'm with my fiance. So we are uh, trying to to living a more normal life in in terms of you know job so I, I i will again try to continue and let's see what what we can achieve this time yeah so speaking of all these different things that now you have more a little bit more freedom but mm. you have to do so much stuff mm. what part of your job like just describing because we don't know what happens in a budoku mm. company what part of your job do you like the most and what part of your job would you rather not do yes well maybe a lot of people ask already ask me already this question like ah you do so you do men you do kote you you are like creating the bogu yourself like building the bogu but i say like oh uh, that may be interesting but i'm all day doing like you know like promote sending sending like the the commercial aspect like the business like contacting people like doing the i don't know looking the website sometimes doing accounting even i have to learn accounting of course customer services preparation and deliver not delivery but sending all the packages and also quality check like uh, of everything sometimes speaking with the factory and in terms of the materials on like more of kind of management management and how is the other like yeah kind of management i, I would say and sometimes the, the only good things of this maybe the good point that i really like is that i have access to the the not only the materials, but the bogu in, in the early stage when they are not bogu, when they are nothing. And I can see the steps and I, I can see how they do everything. And if I ask, they, they, they tell me everything. Like there is no, they don't need to do it on, on secretly. Like I had to, of course, to sign a paper to, to say like, okay, everything I'm looking, I observing now is a secret, like a company secret. I cannot, you know, reveal it. 
but in a way it's, it's super interesting and it led me to understand a lot of parts of the the kendogu the equipment and even i i create like my own own bogu not to sell just for for my own pleasure <laughs> and it was super nice experience also to see the craftsmen working like everyone is like even the young ones has like at least 15 20 years working in the in his specialization like in men or in kote so looking at this is super interesting it's really great it's really something different i, I was i wasn't expecting to to be with the workers in the factory but it's actually a good experience is I, I like i like this part i think of the job yes okay so we we kind of painted a kind of overview picture yes. of you starting kendo you traveling to japan the first time coming back and then eventually now now you're there and you're pretty much settled in in over the course of the past 20 years what are a few of your like the most more memorable experiences in your kendo life like what are some of the things that you remember as impactful mm -hmm. either it changed you or it's really great memory let me see yes i think ma what was i i think i already told you like the international Buddha university was like a big thing in in my life right to go there in the first time to meeting japanese culture to be able to practice kendo and to start to really dig in on budo uh, was like the first big uh, cornerstone and then like maybe I would say uh, in Kumamoto the last year when I was there I teach kids also kendo and because I came with already with Dokudan a lot of people even without knowing me they already kind of uh, how to say like they recognize me like it's oh, okay you are you are rock, Dokudan so you know kendo it's like Okay, so they entrust me already with a lot of stuff, like very easily. This was really different experience when I was before here in Japan. It was totally different at that time. If we say kendo is a language, at that time I couldn't speak this kendo language. I was just learning, but now it's totally different. They knew I, I know kendo, so like I, I did also coach for the kids in Kumamoto. We also I did shinpan, like I, I did referee it was really good experience because there is no foreigner doing shimpan in a Japanese competition. It was super weird. Always everyone looking me like, oh, there is a foreigner. Why he's doing like shimpan? Why is coaching? Like it was a new experience. And then hearing, that was a big like experience, a memorable experience. And also I met a lot of people, it was really, really good to expand my kendo connections. And then here in Miyazaki, even I'm in Saito, it's a really, it's a town, a really small town. But even here I found a dojo, uh, it was time of, of uh, really the pandemic, the pandemic. So at the beginning, nobody was doing kendo. So I was like, kind of, again, like really sad nobody's doing kendo maybe this town is too small so there is no dojo but i found a dojo and then i met the, the people here and it was super good and there are strong also kendoka so it was like whoa i kendo is everywhere like even here there's nothing but there is a kendo dojo and they are practicing their kids also 
So again, here, because I'm Dokudan, they, they like believe that I know some, some stuff. So they consider me even for participating in CI together, like in the practice with the, with the kids. Uh, also, they, they invite me. Yes, it's, it's in, re in reality super good, also good experience. This at the moment, like kind of memorable. And I, I would like to speak about one sensei in particular. This sensei, this sensei is, is not doing kendo because he has like an injury now. I'm not sure if he has an accident, but he, he comes to every practice and he sits with the Hakaman Kendogi and he's only he sits and he see everything. And sometimes he came and he says something, you're doing this wrong here. And he's Nanadan, he's Kyoshi Nanadan, seven dan. And I can see he really loves Kendo, but he cannot do anymore like physically. So he really studied Kendo and he continued his study. So it's, it was like a really like, how, how can I say it? It's a new experience to, to meet somebody like him because he's really, really always there in the dojo, uh, always coming to the, like, the meetings and everything. And even if he cannot do kendo, he is so much in, like, how do I say, like, in, in, in this practice every day, like, I don't know, I can feel his presence even from outside. He's not practicing, but I, I, I need to do the best I can do because he's watching me and he knows more also. And then he, he came and he always say something very wise or he studied a lot. So he, he knew every like concept, really kendo concepts. So he speak me really with a lot of theory, theoretical and sometimes philosophical uh, stuff. And it's super interesting. And I can see this and it's like, wow, kendo also is this. Kendo is not only it doesn't stop if you don't move it doesn't stop there especially in this time with the pandemic seeing somebody like like this sensei it was oh, like a new a new world open like wow yes like this this is also a way of doing kendo with even without moving and late lately uh, yes two, two weeks ago we have like a small shi for the kids a small tournament for the kids of the dojo and he performed a kata demonstration, but because he has a injury in, in, his, in his lower back, he cannot move so well and he, he, he feels pain, but he did the demonstration, the kata, all the kata and everything. And you can see the, the face like suffering, but at the same time he was uh, doing because he liked, he, he wanted to do it. So it was like kind of a, a memorable experience to see this like wow like it was totally different from like oh because it's not about the level of candor the technique is the spirit that he transmits is maybe more profound that see a uh, super well done technique this is another thing this is another level of understanding this yeah is mem yes memorable <laughs> Thank you for for <laughs> for sharing that because I, I I can understand how difficult it is to put it into words because mm. it really is something that you feel yes and like you it's hard to to speak about it but when you're in the presence of someone like that there's just something that 
either if you're in practice, then it forces you to be more serious about practice. Mm -hmm. When if you're watching, then it makes you believe that you can be more than that. Yes. And I think that's important for, for all of us in, in terms of our practice, mm -hmm. in terms of our improvement. We need someone that's above right. us that can pull us up, that can inspire right. us. But also we need someone that's like a peer, mm -hmm. someone that is on our level that continues to push us. And then sometimes we could also use someone that's motivated mm -hmm. below us that Absolutely. we can teach or that we can help bring up. Do you have people like that that you can speak to? You, you mentioned this sensei, maybe there's yes. another sensei and then there's someone on your level yes. too that... Totally Helps right. You. Uh, well, yes, I, I agree with you. In Kendo, we have this kind of three level and every Budo I think is the same, like the sensei, the peer, your same level and the Kohai, right? And everyone can teach you something. And while I can teach maybe to my Kohai, but it's all, also like, like a learning experience to teach, to teach somebody. So it's really important to, to continue this three like level of understanding Kendo. And in my case, well, I have, yes, met a lot of this kind of great sensei that have inspired, inspired me. But for my same level, all, also it's like super important, my kind of rivals. The rivals are like the ones that inspire me to like in a more competitive way, maybe like to be, be stronger than him. Like I want to win to this guy, this guy, because it's kind of the same age, maybe the same level, uh, the same Dan. So uh, here I, I, I met somebody is just like this, uh, also Rokudan and he's kind of the same age and super strong. I, I want to win against him always. And he's always like inspire me to, and motivate me to, to continue practicing in different places. He, thanks to him, I can practice now in different, in, in a high school, in Takanabe High School. He introduced me to the sensei there and opened more practice to, to my schedule already. So I'm really grateful with, with this Kendoka. And back in Chile also, I have a really good uh, friend that was my kind of rival of my same dojo. And with him, we not only fight each other in Kendo, but we also prepare for the tournament together like practicing outside the dojo, like it's more training kind of sports training, like aiming for results. Like it also, it was like really good times at the moment because we wanted to become stronger, but not only by defeating ourselves, like also doing together some stuff, like uh, looking some videos and then speaking about this, speaking about the theory, theory like theoretical points, like not how do you do this and why you, you do this? Like, oh, maybe they think about this. Like, so it was really good times to, to have a deep conversation about Kendo, not only strike, striking ourselves heads, but only also like speaking real, like deep stuff that in a way it was so intense, that conversation and the passion we shared together that when we start to teach our own kohai in the dojo in, back in Chile, we start to do this also with the kohai, like start to include everyone in kind of after the dojo in the so-called birugeiko, uh, like everyone like, you know, not, not only drinking, but the, the, main po the main point was like speaking about the practice and speaking about different areas that maybe in the dojo, uh, the time is not enough to, to go more profound in some 
concepts. So the Kohai really enjoy this and many of them continue Kendo. Actually, they, they told us actually continue Kendo for this after Kendo practice, which was like something they never have seen before in other sports or other like uh, activities that people can uh, start to get together to like speak not only about the art itself, but to many areas that connect Budo with life, with their own work, with their own personal growth. Like we speak so much different areas that Budo, not only Kendo, of course, Budo, every Budo has the, this power, right? Of like uh, helping you to, to become better human beings at the end. So it was something really special for us, for me at the moment. And we did that with my peer and which start just because we were like rivals and to become better, we just need to study more. So we was like these rivals and until days, until today is really a good, you know, a good, how to say, a good motivation to continue this, this kind of path of not only training, but also understanding and studying more profound the concepts and the theory behind Kendo or, or, and Budo. What's his name? Just to, to recognize yes. him. <laughs> he, his, his name is Stefan Domansic. And with, with him, uh, he, he didn't came to Japan, but he, he really put everything to understand the, like what I was doing and what I was learning in Japan. He, he really studied everything, copy me. So we were always like in our own country, we were always like at the final third and second place always like uh, every year. Yes, he was super, he is still very super strong. And he just came to Japan for the World Kendo Championship, but not like like me to, you know, like practicing long, like two years or something like this. And even like this, he, he get to a level, like you can say, oh, you practice in Japan and not necessarily, he just study a lot. And so this also is like, show, show me, show it me like, you can actually in your own country with your own sensei, with your own context, and even not having Japanese sensei or not having access to high level practice, you can achieve many things by yourself if you are, you know, like enough, uh, if you look enough for look for the information, there is everything there around there in books, in internet, in YouTube, in your podcast, for example, there, there are a lot of information and knowledge that you can access now. Yes. Yeah, and it's great that you you mentioned that because as someone that purposely moved to Japan for this reason, so that you can be immersed in the culture and do kendo there, yes. to show that there are there are multiple ways of getting this fulfillment. So some people, but but it's all about yes. the hard work, like. If you're back in your home country, you don't have access to Japanese senseis, it's a lot harder to find what you need and to, to do the practice. But similarly, you're doing it in Japan, it's a lot easier yes. to have access, but then you're away from family, or you're away from your oh, home right. culture. So it's difficult both ways, but it's possible. So I, I think it's great that you're sharing Absolutely. It's strong. Yes. Um, so this has been a fascinating conversation. I really enjoyed like just hearing your story. I think it's it it provides a lot of guidance for a few people in the future, and that's what I'm hoping with a lot of this podcast. Mm -hmm. Like 
listening to our peers talk about their experiences is interesting, but I'm hoping also that the next generation that can hear, okay, this is what I can do. This is what's possible. Right. Like you're, you're an example of that, that we can motivate more people. So just to wrap it up, I want to ask some like yeah. these rapid fire questions, these kind of shorter get to know you style questions. So sure. first one is, do you have a quote or a proverb or a motto or something that a phrase that you think about? Right. I have a lot of, sometimes I, I use some words to, to focus my practice. Like, I don't know, I want to do this or that. But lately, I, the sensei I told you before, uh, he, he say a concept that actually is for five dan, fifth dan examination. But now I, I understood more what it, mean, it meant. And the concept is Ichigan, Nisoku, Santan, Shiriki, in parentheses, go kendo, which means first Ichigan is to see. In kendo and in budo, we need to see the opponent, we see ourselves. It's not, you just, you don't blindly do the kihon you, you learn. You need to see to, you know, to react and to do something like logically. And then the, right, the nisoku, the second point, the first is watch, observe. The second point, it would be the movement of the feet. You need to move your body and not necessarily the strong with with your hand to you, you know move the shinai. It's not necessarily the, the important point. You need to move your feet and be like really in the correct distance, the mai with your uh, with your aite, with your opponent. So the feet is actually the second point, important point in kendo at least. And santan, tan meaning the this bigger like how to say like the like your inner, it's not emotion, it's like this courage, you, courage you need to, to show when you're doing nawaza, because if you strike men, it means you open other parts of your, your guard is open, so they can hit you back. If you strike, they can hit you. It, so you need courage. You cannot be, okay, I will st strike, but like a little bit, because I don't want to get hit. No, you need to go 100% and you can lose in that moment, but that's why you need courage. So first you observe, observe everything, you move towards and you move in and you put yourself in a good position and then you show this courage to, you know, achieve a, a certain goal, which in, in this time would, would be the strike. Uh, and Sensei told me like, after you do this, start Kendo. Like Kendo, start after this, you need to really that's why some sometimes people that don't practice so often they came they appear one time and they won against every everyone even without practicing years it's not only because they are good at kendo it's because sensei just explained me this like it's because for example they can see well what is happening so they adapt even if they have not good kendo they are like you know not practicing they adapt at the moment and they can overcome this overcome the opponent and the second point also like the movement of movement of the feet sometimes it's just if you move more the feet you can it's just that is you can access to new op, op, uh, like possibilities opportunities you can open more uh, chances to to strike and the same with the with the courage sometimes you are so like uh, thinking about the winning or the lo losing that you forget that you need to forget everything in reality you need to throw everything to strike one 
only one strike to do it entirely with your own body, your mind, everything you have with courage. So it's like these, these points are, I, I understood this before as like concept, but when Sensei told me like, oh, okay, I want to do it in like really, I want to do it in the practice, like each practice, I want to see what is happening, react accordingly, strike really with courage, moving my feet, putting myself in the right position with my body, like, so I, I'm doing this right now. <laughs> and then Shiriki? Yes, Shiriki. Shiriki is the, the, is the movement, like, it's not the movement, it's like the force, the strength you put with, the, with your hand in each blow, because we use a weapon. So you could use like the brute force, like just force, right? But in, in Shiriki, it means you use like the how do you say, like your finger, your hand, you use this detailed movement, the, the fine, the fine, fineness of the movement is what you need to strike with, a, if, if it was a katana, for example, or in Yaido, you cut, right? In you, you cut not with the brute force, you need to do it in a correct angle, for example, the katana must be in a correct position and angle, so the brute force would like, turn the katana maybe if you, you just use the muscle just to strike rapidly, the katana wouldn't be this like uh, beautiful line that should should make to, to cut like uh, correctly. So shiriki is also like very important to do. Before you start to do your own kendo, you must, sensei told me yeah, that you must focus on these points and then you start to do your your own kendo, which means like your waza, mendo, whatever. Yes. Yeah. No, I've heard this before, and I I really yes. love this framework because it's it's in a way it's very elegant, it's very simple, and yet it contains all the depth of which there is in kendo. Because you can look at someone yes. and say, "You're at the wrong step. Go back a few steps." You like you're not yes. even seeing the opponent yet. You don't know what you're trying to do. Go back. So yeah, that's yes. that's a very good quote. Yes, it's, uh, it's difficult. <laughs> so another question would be, let's go to this one. What is your comfort food? What what is something that you like to eat when you're sad or when it's your birthday and you want to be happy? What's this food? <laughs> Yes, well, I, I love Japanese food, like, and I love to eat also. I eat a lot. <laughs> and, and now I have the, I'm really lucky, luckily that my, my fiance, she, she does a really, <laughs> she's laughing. She, she does really good job. <laughs> good, good job doing the meals and everything. She likes, she likes really to, you know, to, to do Japanese kind of meals. So I'm, I'm really loving it, loving it. Every time I'm just like expecting what to, to eat today, like really looking forward what I will be eating today. And in reality, there is not one only, this plate is like my favorite. I, I would say Japanese cuisine is like, I love everything maybe, fish, meat, uh, vegetarian kind of stuff also is really, yeah. Japanese cuisine is every, everything I like. I like everything, I think. Yeah, but I'm going to make you, you have to make a choice. So it's a choice. Okay. Yeah. It's your birthday tomorrow. Yes. You're going you're gonna to ask your fiance to cook something. What, what are you going to ask <laughs> her to make? 
Yes, something that I we, we enjoy it together a lot is nave, nave, and like with everything, like you know, putting everything the the vegetables, the piece of meat, and the tofu, and to have a, a really rich kind of soup, rich kind of nave is is really good, and have the the thing there, like it it, it makes it like the how to say like the the pan, <laughs> the pot. You have the pot right pot right there and doing everything there is like really not only the the taste but it's really something like different maybe with with my my country so it's something like i enjoy much <laughs> very much yeah and especially in the winter time as it gets cold it's yes. like nothing's better than that <laughs> totally <laughs> uh so last question before we wrap up if someone were to log into your YouTube account, because YouTube will recommend you videos based uh, on what you've watched before, yes. what are the kind of videos someone would see that YouTube recommends to you? Yes, Ma, of course, Kendo, you, you will see that right away. It's on also like maybe, yes, like I think 90% Kendo and the other is like Budo, like different kind of Budo. <laughs> Sometimes I, I, I watch, of course, like different Ryuha or Koryu, or different kind of stuff, yes, but totally Kendo and Budo related videos. <laughs> Sorry, actually, I had another question that I wanted to ask you. Since you've done a lot of traveling around South America, Latin America, mm -hmm. and you, you went to Japan for, for these events or going to the world championships, what is something that you always take with you? Something that's maybe not related to the kendo, not not your actual shinai bag yes. and bogu and stuff, but when you're traveling, what is something that you feel like you always have to take with you? Yes, I actually like to be, uh, I, I don't like to have too many stuff with me. I, I really like this kind of simple, like kind of zen, like kind of nothing is, is more, like I, I need to have more like freedom or space in a way. So I try to don't go with it, almost nothing so every every time when i travel but i would say now of course the everyone is right with the smartphone the cell phone right like but here with my job especially the cell phone is really important like is <laughs> like connecting with my job at the end and also because is like the access to everything with my family now being like uh, really far um, for my country is like the only uh, tool that connects me in a way to with my family so is it before even in chile back in chile i didn't uh, take my cell phone my smartphone every time i i i really don't didn't like that much that I, to have this always in my pocket but now it becomes a necessity of course every almost everyone in the world is like this but for me it's a necessity like it changed from compare it with before. <laughs> cool. So thank you so much for taking the time to to speak to me. I, I know it's what it's your evening right now. Uh, before just before guys, oh no, no it's, it's a morning. morning. It's yeah. morning just before work. It's, it's yeah. Good. No, it's good. Don't don't worry. Okay, cool. <laughs> so just to wrap yes. this up, is there any message that you wanna leave with the audience, some thoughts or something you want to share with everyone listening to this? Uh, yes, well, thank you first for inviting me. This, this has been a pleasure. Uh, I would want to wrap it out with like, like, well, 
sometimes people think coming to Japan or working in Japan or practicing in Japan might be fun and might be, well, it is fun, but might be like the best to do. Even in other Budo, I, I think it's kind of the same. But in reality, as you say before, like the, the cultural shock may be impact or the difference with the, your own culture, uh, being far from your family, uh, your friends, uh, the necessity to adapt to new things every every day is it can be really stressful and is is really demanding and I I believe a lot of people already in in my uh, company people sometimes came to after two weeks they they quit so it's really like how can I say this people sometimes think it would be easy or you will be become automatically automatically strong in kendo or in other budo just because you came to japan but i have been also in touch with other people that came to japan even one or two years and they did, didn't actually get so much better actually they have like maybe bad experience like they yeah like hard experience hard times so in reality i wanted to say like uh, maybe for many people it's like a dream to come to Japan in so many ways, but just be aware or cautious, precautious, like take care of yourself and your well-being that uh, you will need to do a lot of stuff many times and you will need to choose like many times like you want to continue what why you want to continue, maybe scandal me, maybe it's your budo, maybe you have another goals and maybe only the goals your project will be the only thing that will motivate and will help help you to continue in many in these hard times uh, and stressful and things that you have to adapt so for myself was kendo was uh, trying to uh, to establish like a, a life to to settle up right my, my life not only in kendo that i like to have now my fiance to be able to to, to work more steadily, like more, uh, like to have a base, a base to where to stand myself. So Japan may be a dream for many people, but just take care and be aware that, that you will need to uh, really work hard to to be here and to continue being here. It's not, not so easy. Yes, it's not magic that you will become be better in Kendo or better in Japanese. Uh, you will need to work hard. I'm sure every every in every country will be the the same. But especially if your culture, for example, Latin American culture is kind of really dif different. I think with Japanese culture, in so it many is ways. so different. Uh, yes, yeah, I so. can see that. <laughs> so it will be like a shock. A, a lot of people ask me like, "Oh, I want to go there. How can I work? Maybe in the same company as you?" and because some some of those people were my friend i told them the truth like in reality don't come like i know you you won't like it won't be you won't be happy if you come i i know you like is really this life what you want like so i i i, I try to not uh, how to say i i try to say the truth like the 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 every color of this experience not just the good points of course it has it, it, it is it has good points but uh, a lot of people that I know uh, won't like the, the bad points, the low points would be so much that, yes, like, it, it's difficult, I think, to, uh, 
you have to be really focused on what you want and even even on that point myself include i wanted to to go back or to quit the job many so many times so many times but yes it's just hard work that you have to continue doing it's just like budo <laughs> you yeah, just continue <laughs> thank thank you for that message because it's, it's so clear and what it's really made me recognize too over the course of this hour where we have been talking is that you're not looking for something that's easy. Mm. You're not looking to relax. You're not looking to be even to be happy. Mm. You didn't go to Japan because you wanted to be happy. There was something that was missing and yes. what you got was fulfillment. And that doesn't, right. that's not the same thing. People think, oh, I'm going to succeed. I'm going to be so mm. happy. I'm going to get the train all day. That's just going to be fun. It's, it's not fun. Right. It, it's, it's about being a whole person. It's being complete. Mm. And that takes a lot of hard work and, and, you're what you're saying it would really resonates with me that way too so yeah keep keep it keep it up because yeah <laughs> i know it's much. hard i know yes. i know it's hard but you made the right decision so yeah yeah sometimes well you put it in, in nice words like yes that that's the, the the message and thank you very much i will continue doing my best <laughs> thank you and i'll see you next time we're in japan hopefully oh yes hopefully yes totally yes yeah i, I was supposed to come twice yes. this year i was supposed to come oh. in march and then again in okay. november but yeah both got canceled so i'm sure we'll yes yeah I'm, I'm looking forward for it and the pandemic should stop some at least like if last last year was ah yes it has already one year being in the pandemic so I <laughs> Almost, hope, yeah yes i hope next year become better yes all right it's great talking to you. Thank you so much again. Thank you very much, Patrick. Have a great day. You too. Thank you. Bye-bye. Hey guys, I hope you enjoyed that episode because we have a lot more exciting conversations to share as we explore the world of the traditional Japanese martial arts. The Inside Look podcast is made possible by our patrons over at Patreon. So if you enjoy this work and want them to continue, please consider supporting us for as little as a cup of coffee. There are many more ways for us to work together by connecting with us on Facebook and Instagram at tokushikai.canada and subscribing to our monthly newsletter at subscribe.tokushikai.ca. Until next time, thanks for listening.